All right, how about, how about we all just stand up? I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the scripture for tonight. Let's just stand, honor the, the word of God, which is the most authoritative thing that will be spoken in the next uh, two hours as I preach. Half of you got that. Uh, this is Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the entire world and forfeits his soul? Father, we thank you for your word that is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word, it cuts sometimes, but it soothes. Lord, it can hurt sometimes, but it heals. Lord, and that your word doesn't come back to you void. And so we, as a, as, a, as a congregation right now, God, we're not just here to listen to a sermon, God. We want the living words of God to be expressed in this room, God. And if you do that through my voice, so be it. If you whisper into our ears uh, through the, the words that are even spoken in this time, so be it, God. And whatever way that you can express yourself, God, we just welcome you to come and fill this room with your living word, God, that's powerful, active, it's transformative, God, that it would grip us and move us, God, and compel us to walk in your kingdom more deeply in our discipleship following you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to be with you. It still feels kind of new coming back from the summer, getting to be here. It's just a good feeling. So, uh, I'm happy, I'm happy, happy, happy. Uh, who was here a couple weeks ago when I preached? All right, uh, we're gonna just basically, I told you I had a message that week and I was processing it with my wife, Jackie, and I was like, I'm talking fast, just trying to process it with you. I think I need to cut this down. So I cut it down, I've made it like a few messages. So I'm basically gonna just do part two of what that message was and go a few layers deeper on what we opened up a couple weeks ago. Is that okay? All right, I'm glad it's okay. If it wasn't okay, I'd still be doing it, but I'm glad it's okay with you. Uh, I spoke last week. I started, and I just said, not last week, two weeks ago, and last week was a wonderful word by Pastor Justin, wouldn't you say? Uh, I was deeply ministered. I just so value the, the grace on that man and the wisdom and the way he pastors and shepherds and that, that, that multi-generational honor. Man, that touched my heart so deeply. I just love to see the way Jesus disciples this community through the different people that he places upon this stage. So that was last week. But two weeks ago, I started, and I said just emphatically that I want to say again is that the kingdom of God is now. And another way of saying that is that the life your soul is longing for is available to you right this moment. You don't need anything to change in your life. The kingdom of God's now. Jesus came, that was his message. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the way that we enter into this entire new reality called the kingdom of God is that you want it. You desire it. 
And Jesus went about the Galilean region preaching and those that were hungry and thirsty for righteousness, those that were poor in spirit, the the lame and the sick and the outcast and the broken and the, the unchosen of their day, they wanted it. And they were entering in the gate and experiencing abundant life. And shamed, filled women that would go to wells in the middle of the day were leaving, leaping and rejoicing and seeing cities transformed. They were entering the kingdom. The way that we enter the kingdom is desire. Desire is the key to the kingdom. When you want God, you will have him. When you seek me and search for me with all your heart, you will have me. Come to me, all who are thirsty. You'll find drink, true drink. Come to me when you're hunger, I'll give you true food. Come to me, it's, it's now. The kingdom's now. What you're longing for is now. As I was worshiping tonight and his glory was just washing over me, that thick, weighty presence of God, all I could say is my soul satisfied. This is what I'm longing for, God. This is now. Right? And desire is the key of entrance to the kingdom. But the amazing thing about our desire is that we have this eternal desire within us. And we looked at Paul's words and St. Augustine's words and Solomon's words and his exploration by wisdom that all is vanity, but eternity is written within our heart. And then St. Augustine expanded and said, oh God, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And there's this God-shaped hole that isn't just a hole but the picture of eternity is like a, a, a universe. Right, wasn't that cool a couple weeks ago? That there's a God-shaped universe inside of you that will only ever be satisfied until all of that desire is oriented upon the eternal one. And then the eternity in your heart will be satisfied with the eternity of who God is. And you can exclaim, my soul is satisfied. I have found abundant life. Jesus is calling. So the truth is, uh, this is beautiful imagery. You know, if you've listened to me a lot, I love, you know, the ethereal and the poetic because it can expand our vision, but we need to ground that into something real if it's going to be a change agent in our life. You guys are so quiet. Yeah. You know, it's like a basketball game. I was played basketball. If you're all quiet watching basketball, it's weird. One time I was in this free throw shooting competition and they didn't let the fans speak. And it was like, like you're just shooting. It was like the weirdest basketball experience of my life. Sometimes that's how I feel as a preacher up here. It's like, I made it. I made it. That's a good word. All right. All right. Okay. You guys are getting it. All right. So. The, the truth with this desire is that though that's beautiful and we can set the eternity within our hearts upon the eternal one, that's harder than it sounds because our desire has been fractured in the world we live in between 100,000 things. And so though we would love to get our desire and orient upon God and have, you know, enter the kingdom and stay there and abide in him like the branch and the vine and see fruitfulness and live in his presence and never leave, that, that doesn't really happen very often because modernity has a lot of challenges and all the things that we're exposed to, our desires are between like, oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then there's like that new car I'm thinking about that I want to get. You know what I'm talking about? This is the human experience. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean anything's going on that's like messed up with you. It just means this is the world that we are 
we're living in, we've been advertised to our entire life, and our desire has gone a little haywire. And so tonight, I want to talk about how do we reclaim our desire, and what is Jesus's remedy for us getting access back to that desire so that we can put it where it's supposed to go? On God. Does that sound good? There's the premise of the message. So the title of my message tonight, I'm... Uh, maybe it will be. I, I don't even think I choose the title. Sometimes I get on the podcast. I'm like, what message is that called? Because I don't even know. They're good at it, though. Anyways, here's my title. So if you like it, you can take it. It's self-denial is the gate to abundant life. All right, so self-denial is the gate into the abundance of God and to the eternal life that Jesus has promised us. Right, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we're to see the kingdom and step into it into our life, we will have to confront the consumption mindset, the consumerism that's woven itself into our spirituality. That's what I want to do tonight. I kind of want to unclutter our minds and just talk about, hopefully bring some clarity to what consumerism is. This is a little bit of a tagline today. It's like, oh, we don't want to be consumers when we come to church. You know, we don't want to just come for ourselves. We want to come to offer. But, you know, we say all these things, but it's hard to really grasp because consumerism is the water that we swim in in our culture. It's what drives the American economy, which is the greatest economy in the history of the world, and it's what we're swimming in. So when you are culturally you know, steeped into something like water, you know, you don't even recognize the water for the water because it's just what's there, All right? So the way that I'm going to try to kind of get us out of this to, to see it a little bit more objectively is we're going to start just looking at cultural consumerism, and then we're going to take it into how that's blended into different mindsets that are, exist in the church and in, in our own spirituality and our relationship with Jesus. And my hope is that there may be a little bit of cutting away tonight, but really I'm offering an invitation that I feel like is from Jesus that he's giving to me that's like, hey, I can get your desire back. And I can lead you to the well that will satisfy you right now. So that's really the message. It's not like, hey, I want to put some yoke on you. It's actually like, I just want to preach the real thing, which is Jesus. He really wants to satisfy you now. There's no carrot on a string with this message. It's real. Okay. All right. So let's just kind of jump into this. So cultural consumerism's very overt, out loud message is essentially, if you were to whittle it down, says this. You can have it all now. Right? Come on. You can have it all now. And the best thing is you don't even need to afford it. Right? You can charge. You don't need the money. Uh, you don't need to wait for it either. Because Amazon, I ordered something this summer, and it was like, it can be there in four hours. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Four hours? Like, what in the world? How did you get it to me in four hours? Literally, I ordered it at 9 a.m. I had it that afternoon. I'm like, wow. And now I'm like, shoot. Now two days feels like an eternity. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, two days. Let me look at something else to see if I can get it today. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Okay. You don't need to afford it. You don't need to wait for it. Life is here for the taking. So take it. That's consumerism, right? That is the overt message, meaning that's what's the conscious message that we, we're seeing. It. It's preached to us all the time, right? And everybody knows that this actually isn't true, right? Like we know it because we look at the world and we see all the people that have all the stuff and we know we're like, stuff doesn't satisfy, Right? Who said that before? 
Oh, stuff doesn't satisfy. You know, another tragedy you hear in the celebrity world or in this world or the people that have it all and they fall and you're like, why, why would you fall? Like you had it all. You know, so like we know, okay, it doesn't satisfy. We know this, yet we kind of still believe it. Yeah, Something right. so, so is like, I still think it's kind of true, right? And I can prove that we still think it's true even though we know that it's not true by just looking at our debt-based consumption as a society. Everyone's in debt. Why? Because we're spending money we don't have to get things so that we can take life because life's for the taking and I can have it all now. And if I have it all now, that's going to satisfy me. Right? This, is just, this, is, this is cultural, so you may not find yourself entirely in this, but I'm just speaking, this is the water that we swim in. Right? You can have it all now. You don't need to afford it. You don't need to wait for it. You can just take it. Right? And the... the the reason that we can like know that's not entirely true, but at a deeper level still think that it's true is because there, there's a deeper appeal to com consumerism. And there's, a, there's more of a subconscious foundation that's also been laid that we don't really challenge. And I'm kind of just going to bring it to light a little bit so that we can start at least challenging some of the belief systems that we swim in as a culture. Right? And, and consumerism is built upon a lie about what the good life is. And it's a deeper lie. It's, a, it's more subtle that kind of gets sown in the midst of all of this, which is that the fulfillment you're looking for is in the creation, some aspect of creation. And the ownership of creation, that's what's going to bring you satisfaction. It's not in the creator, right? So what consumerism has done is very subtly, it's, it's created idolatry out of the world because it's severed creation from the creator. So it's making creative objects which reveal the glory of God, right? Romans 1 says the creation reveals God's glory. So the creation is, came from God, but it's disconnecting it from God and saying you can worship creation and you can become an owner of it and you're going to get satisfied by it. That doesn't go challenged as overtly. Right? That's the theology of consumerism, is that the creation really can satisfy you. This gets a little tricky because, like, it's fun to have stuff, right? <laughs> like, that's a free throw moment right here, right? <laughs> Come on. Like, stuff's fun. Stuff's cool. It makes you happy. Like, there's a lot of joy that you can have. Right? It's not like it's all bad. Creation has glory in it. It reveals the glory of God, right? So it's not like all the things in life are terrible. That's, I think, what makes it a little tricky because there's goodness in life, inherent goodness in life because God is the creator and every good creation traces its source back to God, right? But consumerism's severed creation from the creator. So it's made it in the idolatrous in a way and we're trying to figure out how this kind of all goes together. But here, here to me is what the, the big divide that I, I want us to really grasp. If you grasp nothing else that I say, it's this. This is the change of heart that I think consumerism makes that, that we, have to, we have to get back to our intended creation. And this is this. Consumerism turns life from a gift to be received from a creator into a possession to be taken with money. Right, so, so consumerism is trying to change you from a steward, which is what you were created to be, a steward of creation that receives it as a gift from a benevolent God, and then stewards know how to enjoy the creation, and then 
be generous with the creation and, and walk in the kingdom, which is the way of Jesus, the way of life. And it's right. Cause the creator unlocks the creation and he, he gives it to stewards to enjoy. So like there's this way of wisdom that's all about the stewardship of our lives, right? But what consumerism does is says, you don't need to be a steward because stewards are dependent upon a benevolent creator. You can be an owner and owners don't need to worship a creator. They can worship mammon, money, because money is the transaction agent. Stewards receive from creator, owners possess with money. And this is what happens. This is the shift. You have to follow this here. It's a very damaging soul shift when we step and try to become owners because I do not believe God created us to own anything. I am preaching. Free throws. We, we're, we, we don't have, like it's not in us. The hardware is not there to own things. We're not made to own things. It's, we're, we're owned by God. Everything we receive is his. So when we start operating as owners, it's damaging. All right, you guys like Lord of the Rings? There's like the eight people, my wife's one of them. It's like, I hate, that's so weird and wizards and stuff. I'm like, no, but it's like good wizards. Like my mom didn't let us watch Harry Potter growing up. That's bad wizards. But I could watch Lord of the Rings because Gandalf's a good wizard. You know what I'm talking about? All right. All right. <laughs> oh, I'm getting you guys. All right. Lord of the Rings, right? I love Aragorn, you know, who in J.R. Tolkien's, uh, you know, he's, he's Christ the king. And the kingdom of man is this really interesting subplot in the whole story where Gondor, which is the kingdom of man, right, the king has left. And the climax, in a way, is the return of the king. But in the meantime, when the king had left, who's Aragorn, there's this lineage of stewards that were put in place to steward the kingdom of man. And do you guys know what I'm talking about? You guys, this character, didn't you just despise him in the movie? Right? He's weak. He's manipulative. He's selfish. He's like, oh my gosh, you could, you could defeat them if you just got out of your insecurities, man. Right? This is the thing. That is the picture of what happens when a steward tries to become an owner. Right? That man was meant to steward a throne for the king who was Jesus to come and sit upon the throne. But because the steward had become the owner, he was actually resisting the very thing that was supposed to take place. This is what consumerism is doing to us. It's shifting us from stewards to owners, which is trying to make us the king of our life. Which is why Jesus, in all the kindness and love of his heart, is saying, you can't worship money and God. Because they are competing for the place of king. You're either a steward or you're an owner. Jesus is like, it's not going to work good. You will forfeit your soul if you try to become an owner, if you try to take your life for yourself. Trust me, you're, you'll, you won't even do a very good job of it. God created the universe, and he knows how to satisfy you very intimately, and he longs to do it. You just have to become a steward, actually become dependent, trust him. You're following me. All right, so the deep flaw with this, of course, is that consumerism is a lie. It's all vanity. You can get as much as you want, and it's not going to satisfy you. 
There is a universe inside of you. Doesn't matter how many possessions, how many properties, cars, houses, sex, money, influence, possessions, earthly treasures, da 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 da. Doesn't matter how much you have, it's going to be about a hundred. just the witness of the spirit. Lord, tone it down a little bit, all right? <laughs> all right, it, it, all of those things are gonna come like a, a hundred billion galaxies short of satisfying the eternal ache inside of you for God. Right? You will be restless until you find rest in him. Right? And then we look, look at the cultural moment that we're living in. It is a moment marked by more anxiety than ever. Like, it, it is commonplace. It breaks my heart. It's commonplace for kids in elementary school and middle school to talk about their anxiety issues and the different medications that they are on for anxiety. I did not even know the word anxiety when I was that age. You know, and this is like common vernacular amongst the youth that are raising up in the most consumeristic society in the history of the world. And I'm not trying to say that all anxiety is in one little bucket, but I'm just saying, what if that, that we're seeing culturally in, in large part is due to our addiction to more and our belief that consumerism is going to satisfy us? Because look at consumerism. What's it saying? I'm gonna, you know, we're going to satisfy you if you can just get more. But what consumerism really gives us, if we're honest, is little hits of joy that are fleeting because, again, what it's giving to us is disconnected from God. I believe stewards can actually have long, like enduring enjoyment of the aspects of creation that God gives, but consumers will only get cheap hits because it's actually, it's the new, it's the thing, and then it goes away, it's fleeting, but then what we find is abiding anxiety beneath it and this sense of restlessness that I need another hit of something. All right, so that's the cultural moment. That's cultural consumerism. Can I kind of put a comma there and shift? Okay, so now let's ask the question, what do we do? What do we do in light of this? What's, what's the path forward? All right, this is where we must discover the way of Jesus and find that the scriptures and his teaching and his life is extremely relevant to exactly the story that we're walking in as a, as a modern society, right? And, and these words, I think, stand really as the crux, truly, the cross in the middle of this, which is this uh, passage I read. I believe the daily cross, self-denial, is actually the, the remedy to a cancered, the cancer of consumerism, right? And I, I, I've been using this word. The Lord gave me this vernacular, the cancer of consumerism, because you know how a cancer is an overgrowth. It's like when your cells will not stop growing. That's what consumerism does. It actually causes desire. It's rampant, uncontrolled growth of desire for the wrong things. And the Lord's shown me these pictures. It's like my own soul and the soul of the church with these tumors of desire. And I believe God's wanting to 
cut away these tumors and actually heal us of this cancer so that we're no longer wasting desire on things that won't satisfy, but we're understanding ourselves as stewards who, who are in this deep connection with the creator and then able to have the wisdom and the craft to steward the creation and actually enjoy our lives. Like you wanna enjoy your life? Like with deep rest and peace, like that's the way of Jesus. Just read the Bible, it tells you all about it. All right, so pick up your cross daily and follow me. I think it, it's the daily cross, it's self-denial. That's the gate into abundant life. Daily cross is different than Golgotha or the dark night of the soul. That would be a very intense experience of suffering through which God often takes men and women in a specific time of your life. That is a whole other topic that we've talked about here before, but this is the daily cross. This is just the, the disciplined rhythm, the pattern of saying no to yourself, of denying yourself. If you come after me, you must say no to yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. Right? And the reason that Jesus can say this with such authority is because, one, he walked in abundant life, and this is what he modeled for us. Self-denial is right at the heart of Jesus' spirituality. Right? We see that Jesus fasted, Jesus prayed, Jesus was submitted to God and to people. He submitted to his own cousin. Uh, John the Baptist, that's a level of saying no to yourself. Jesus served, he washed feet. Jesus gave of his time, gave of his life, right? The, the essence of Jesus, we all know this, is that Jesus didn't come for himself, right? Even like the fact that he came, he was in heaven, in the perfect throne of God, and he left it to come here. He wasn't doing that for some sort of selfish gain. Right? Everything Jesus was, he was saying no to this satisfying of his self. Everything he did was an offering to other people. Right? And so then Jesus, yeah, interesting enough, he gives us basically the same mandate. Hey, this is how you live. It's about love. It's about orienting your life towards other people, which is saying no to yourself and this self thing. And it's saying yes to this offering of yourself to the world. And he's given us these really simple, in a way, there, there are complexities to them, but these disciplines, these things that we do that all require self-denial, right? He, he's asked us to tithe and to be generous. Wah, wah, wah. All right, what, what is tithing? Hey, say no to 10% of your money and give it away to the church that might drive you crazy, to the pastor who offended you three weeks ago with what he said, right? To whatever. Say no to yourself. What is generosity? Give even more to people. Well, I don't deserve it, God. I don't care. Say no to yourself. Already ask us to uh, submit. Who just wakes up on a Tuesday morning and is like, oh, this is a day to submit <laughs> to my boss that's driving me crazy, to uh, my husband it's being controlling again, to whatever it may be. No, no, but he asks us to submit. Say no to yourself. You don't have to be in control. Say no. Right? He asks us to serve. Children's ministry announcement again? I want to be in here for the glory. Say no to yourself and serve. Wash people's feet. Prayer. Oh my gosh. I could be making money, Lord. I need to sleep. You know I'm cranky if I wake up early in the morning on a Wednesday. 
Say no to yourself. Say no to productivity. Say no to, to things you might want to do. Say no to if you want to go play nine holes, but prayers on Monday night. Hey, can you tell he's spoken to me on this before? <laughs> Say no to yourself. Yeah. Fasting. Oh, man, you're getting nervous. Say no to food. What? Even co coffee? I, no, no coffee? Are you serious, Lord? Say no to food. Say no to yourself. Deny yourself. If you want to come after me, deny yourself. This is good. I'm preaching. All right, here's where it's going to get really real, right? So all of those things contain self-denial. But now let's take the cultural conversation of consumerism, let's weave it in right here. Right, because we're Christians. We've heard this before. We've heard the messages on self-denial. Here's what consumerism has tried to do to self-denial in the church. It has tried to turn self-denial into a spiritualized form of getting what you want. So this is where you tithe. This is why you tithe. Oh, I'm a pastor. Let me think. I'm going to try to motivate you guys to tithe. Here, I heard this story one time. They tithed. Then two weeks later, I kid you not, they got 10 times more money in the mail. Give all your money. Because why? God's going to give you more. It's like you beat consumerism with God himself. Self-denial is just a means for divine reimbursement. You're still going to get everything you want, but just do it this way. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Right? So then fasting. Here's fasting. Don't eat food because then you can really get the stranglehold on God. And he'll give you exactly what you want when you pray. Like, Honor people and submit to them so that you can get favored with them. Right? Give up. Go, go, go and submit so that God will then exalt you in the way that you want to be exalted. Wow. Right? Like, I am not trying to beat anybody up. This is, this is me kind of being funny in a way. Now it's getting heavy, and I'm like, uh-oh. I don't want you to think I'm like coming with a, some like yoke. This is like Jordan being discipled with you. So keep in mind. So anything I'm sharing is what I've heard. And it's better to hear it here with other people, in my opinion, than it is alone with God. You're like, there's no one to laugh with right now, Lord. I just feel convicted, you know? So we're together. Amen. All right, so this is what the consumeristic world, this is what the water we swim in, this is how it's invaded into the church. Self-denial is just a means to divine reimbursement. If we think like this, which is the mindset of a soul sickened with the cancer of consumerism, what happens is we're kind of doing this little spiritual dance inside of us, and we have this measuring, you know those measuring things? We're measuring, has my level of sacrifice been met with the level of reimbursement I think I deserve? And this is why that song, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down, can be one of the songs that you're either freaking just through the roof singing, or it's like, nah, I'm not singing that. <laughs> I tithe for 12 months straight, and my finances are, are, are not, they're not better. Right? Because if I'm living 
in this, which is essentially that self-denial is the hinge that's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give up this so that God will then still satisfy me with creation. It just doesn't work. You're going to be let down because God's very confident and able to tell you no to things. No, you don't need that. Yeah, they may have that, but I'm leading you. The message of the gospel is not God saying to you, give me your life and I promise to satisfy every want and desire that you have. That's not the message. The message of the gospel is give me your life and I will give you me. And I will satisfy you with the deepest longings and cravings the eternity inside of you, I will endlessly fill and fill and fill and fill and fill and fill and and I will give you all of me and hold nothing back. That's the gospel. Wow. Wow. Give me your little broken life and I'll give you my glory. (laughs) It's like the best deal ever. But we can't see it when we're living bound by consumerism, right? Self-denial is about turning our desire away from creation so that we have it to put it upon God. We don't tithe so that God will give us more money. We tithe because we're defying the God of money and saying, you do not satisfy me. It's not mammon, it is you, God. I don't fast so that I can twist God's arm to get what I want. It's I deny myself food, which my body literally needs to live in so that I can put desire on you and recognize that you're my true hunger and thirst. I don't submit so that I can get exalted in some other way. I submit because I'm, I'm, I'm saying no to a place of power and leading my own life to remember that I am being led by a shepherd that promises that I won't want because he'll satisfy my every need. Right? Self-denial, the self-denial of Jesus, it's, about, it's, it's God's way of like, you can get this portion of your soul back. And this is, this is the picture that I have in my mind, is that every time we say no to ourselves and our no partners with God's no, we give access to the great physician to come with the surgeon's scalpel and cut the tumor away. Right. We're on a journey of like, we need surgery. And it's not because we're some sick, twisted people. It's because we live in a world that's messy and we get all sorts of messages. I mean, billions and billions and billions of dollars are being spent to try to snare the eternal desire inside of you to make money off of it. So God's not beating us up. He's like, hey, I'm come to rescue you. I'm come to save you. I want to bring you salvation. I want to give you the real thing. I want to give you the real good life, not just what culture is preaching. I want to give you the real thing, and I want to make that so powerful that you're willing to say no for it because you're like, oh, my gosh, no. No, no, I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, I'm going to humble, I'm going to say no to myself because I want you, nothing else. 
Nothing else, nothing else will do, right? We're singing it. It's time to live it. And this is the amazing thing. Nothing needs to change in your life for you to enter into what your soul's longing for. But when you receive the life of God, everything changes in your life. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. I'm going to give you things that you could never even fathom, but I'm not going to give them to you to own. I'm going to give them to you to because stewards enjoy the creation and then offer the creation away. It's like they receive and give. And when, when a steward receives a gift from God, like, when, like it says in Proverbs, like when a, when a righteous man flourishes, the city rejoices. Think about that. That's God saying when a steward receives financial increase, the whole city will rejoice because they know it's going to get to the places it needs to go. Stewards don't live in comparison. Stewards aren't looking to each other. They're not looking to mammon. They're looking to the creator and the creator will never gonna let you down. Abundant life is now. It's now, like it's really now. This isn't like a joke, it's now. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, look, I just want, this is a few characteristics. We could probably go on and on. I could probably preach on this next week or the next week because we got Dan and William. Right, but just a few characteristics of the life of God. Right? When, when the kingdom of God, like think of a plant that life is just flowing through. Okay, so this, this is just things that might happen. Right, relationally, wounds will be healed. Reconciliations will take place in your life that you thought are irreconcilable. Forgiveness will restore divisions so great that you could never have fathomed. Deep, intimate connections will be experienced. Friendships will be enjoyed. Marriages will flourish. Between fathers and children and mothers and children, there'll be deep bonds. There'll be generational legacies created. There will be an ecosystem of loyalty in the church where people feel the safest that they've ever felt because they're in an environment where honor and loyalty are just abounding. Because the life of God, because the people who are living an abundant life are just overflowing to one another. <laughs> wow, that's cool. All right, uh, there'll be creativity and innovation. Things will just grow. There'll be fruitfulness. This is John 15. Abide in me. You're going to bear much fruit. This is the Father's will, that you bear much fruit. There will be supernatural happenings that occur regularly in our lives, which are just called Miracles by us, which is God's normal entering into our life. And we're like, that's not normal. It's a miracle. God's like, oh, yeah, it's a miracle. That's normal up here. Right? The kingdom. Things like healing. Things like, you know, not, not just the, you know, we think of, oh, there's healings and all these things. Yeah, those are like the, you know, and the cares. This just, like, God's miracles are out of the box. God just works in miraculous ways. Things will happen that don't make sense. Regularly, because God's normal. This is the life of God. This is the kingdom. There's manifestations of power that take place, right? You'll, you'll experience adventure in your life because you're following God. And the thing about God is you never know what God's going to do next. You just know it's going to be good. You're going to experience adventure. You're going to find purpose for your life because God intimately created you. He knows your inward parts. He wants to fulfill and satisfy you. That's the life of God. This is amazing. There's peace and rest. 
Just let that rest over you. There's peace and rest. Everything in your life will be in timing. You'll just feel this strange sense that you're on time because time's just part of the creation. Creator unlocks creation. You're never behind, you're never ahead. You're just walking in the unforced rhythm of grace, staying in step with the Spirit. You'll have margin in your life. Imagine that. Not rushed, not trying to cram too much in a day, not feeling like you need to change the whole world tomorrow, build an empire overnight, not feel like you're behind the other people that you're looking at, not feel like you have to catch up to some thing in your head that you don't even know what it is. You're just, you have margin. You're at rest, there's, there's, there's security. You have security deeper than any financial security could promise. You just feel secure, grounded. There's a confidence that comes from that. It's like Psalm 1, a tree planted by the river. And in every season, it bears fruit. And its leaves don't wither because it's planted by the river. <laughs> it's secure. Wow. There's joy. A third of the kingdom is joy. There'll be play. There'll be fun. You'll have simple pleasures. You'll enjoy things. You'll laugh a lot. <laughs> you know, and not just like, you know, when the person starts laughing, you know, the Holy Spirit's on them, and you're like, whoa, that's kind of crazy joy. Like, you'll laugh just because, like, things will touch your heart because you're alive. You're living. You are enjoying creation. You are mesmerized with God's beauty. You're filled with his presence. You're flourishing. <laughs> wow. Can this be real? Could this be the vision that Jesus gave his life for? Could this be the very vision that moved Jesus when he was already living this abundant life and he looked down at humanity and saw us bound and sickened and dying and moved with compassion? He said, I have to go. I have to make a way of salvation for them to experience this with me. I don't want eternity if it's without them. Eternal life is now. Starts now. All right, I believe with all my heart that self-denial, the daily cross, is, is the gate of access to this life. When we say no, like when my no is partnered with God's no, then my yes is with his yes. And I think one of the reasons that we can struggle, we were in prayer, and, and uh, Jackie, she had, we were praying into service, and she said, you know, I see this image, it's like a table, and we're inviting Jesus to come dine with us, but there's no seat at the table for him. And I think that's the picture of this cancered, consumeristic soul, is I want to give you my yes, God, deeply, but because I haven't said no, I don't have it to give you. I, I, I don't have a seat. I don't have capacity. I've lost touch with my desire. Jesus is like, that's okay. I have a way. I have a way. It's called self-denial. It's learning to say no to yourself. And it's learning to love when God says no to you as well. 
I had this, uh, I have this memory that I've thought about many times in my life. I haven't even told my mom this, but we were at the, the skate park on uh, Eagle Road in McMillan. You know what I'm talking about? I went to Lowell Scott, so it was just a, right across the street. And we were at the skate park. Do you remember this? And there's this, he looked like a rough, like a rougher young kid. And he was kind of cut up on his legs and he was skateboarding, he was good. And my mom just always has a knack for striking up these deep conversations with strangers. And I, I'll never forget this, I was young, I was probably 10 or 12. She's talking to this kid who's maybe 14. And she's like, man, dude, like, aren't you scared to fall? And he looked at her and was like, no, I kind of like when I fall. And she was like, why? He's like, because when I hit the ground, it makes me bleed and it hurts. And then it led to my mom in this deep conversation with this kid talking about how he had no parenting in his life and had no boundaries ever. And so the only time he ever felt boundaries in his life was when he would fall on a skateboard and he'd hit the ground and it would hurt. That's, I think it touches on this deep desire within all of us to be fathered and parented fathered and mother. And one of the roles of fathers and mothers is they tell us, no, don't do that. Not because I'm withholding from you, but because I love you. And it's like, there's this, I, I, I've thought about that conversation. I thought it was so profound. This little skateboarder. No, I like to fall because in a way the concrete's my parent and it tells me, no, it tells me that I, I'm not, I can't be everything. I can't be, there's boundaries and boundaries are good. And I think that one of the shifts that an orphan soul has to make if we really want to be fathered by God is we have to learn to love his no just as much as we want his yes. And, and, and step back and see that if God tells us no, it's because he is consumed with love for us. And I, just to testify to you, there is like this. The only word I could use would be a pleasurable yearning inside of me for God to tell me no. I've had these times when I'm just on these prayer walks. I'm like, Lord, like, I'm going to present these things before you. And like, I want you to tell me no. And it's like this deeper place in my heart of just, just opening and, and submitting and be like, I love your no. And I love your yes. And I want your full counsel in my life. Because if it's a no from God, it's like not another question asked. It's a no from me. If it's a yes from God, I, because I, I want to have yes. You know, and my money, God, if it's a no, it's a no. If it's a yes, it's a yes. Like I want to, I just want to be parented by you. Isn't that good? Like I, I don't want us to have to fall as a church and hit the concrete and have to bleed before we can feel boundaries. Like God's much safer than that. Like, you know, I, I heard, I think Bill Johnson, he, he's like, I taught my kids how to bike on the grass so that when they'd fall, they'd hit the grass, right? God's a good father. He doesn't just wanna like stick us out into the, the wildness of the world, right? It's usually our own pride that takes us to the wild places where we have the, the really painful, excruciating lessons that we learn. It's our pride that drives us there. It's not the goodness of the father. And so learn to love his no, because that no is guiding, it's protecting, it's parenting.
if you could start come play keys now, we're just going to go into ministry space. And there's, there's a couple things that I just, I feel strongly that, that just to create a, a space for you to, to en engage with God. And the first thing is this, and if you've been around here, you know I've probably talked about tithing and financing like maybe twice or three times in five years. So this really is an unction uh, that I believe is from the Lord. Uh, but I feel one of the things that I'm supposed to do just as a father, in a way, is just to speak and to call those of you that are not in a place of tithing into a place of tithing. Um, this is not because we need finances. We're not struggling as a church. Like, there's no, like, motive in this other than I want to see you reclaim your soul and defy mammon and recognize that the life you're longing for isn't in money. It's, it's in God. And I know that tithing's not popular. It can fill all these ways, but I just feel like from, from like the heart of God to, in, to, to call you into a place of tithing. You don't need to have shame about it. You don't need to have all these things. It's just like obey the command, say no to yourself. Give your 10% unto the Lord. Just see what happens, not, not in your bank account, but see what happens in your soul. Like put God to the test and see if he lets you down. Right, allow him to do an inner working inside of you. All right, so I just feel like there's, a, there's an invitation right now that, that I'm, I'm not gonna, I've struggled. I'm like, Lord, do, I, do, do you want me to ask him to do something? I, I don't. I just, there's, between you and God, this isn't for me, this isn't for anybody in this room, but between you and God, if this is a place of struggle and you can't let go of control and you just haven't, like, I just feel like there's breakthrough tonight. And what I would encourage you is just give. Like you can give online, you can give, like just, but just, just give. Do it as an act of obedience and do it tonight. Like partner with God and say, okay. Like you don't need to wait till tomorrow. You just need to obey God. So that okay? Like there's a call. This is, this is about your soul. This is about, this is about us getting out of the water of consumerism. This is about allowing God with the surgeon's scalpel to start cutting away the tumors. And you're going to start finding that there's desires that are going to go. As you start saying no, you're going to be like, wow, I used to have these desires. These desires are going because it's like this whole tumor of false desires growing inside of your soul. Just obey God and see what happens. Orient the desire. Get your desire back and put it on him. It is not money that satisfies you. It is your relationship with Jesus, right? And then the second thing is, and, and you know, you, we, we can dim the lights. If ministry team wants to come forward, uh, you, you may want to respond if this is an act, you know, with the tithing, you may want to come forward, receive prayer. You might need courage or something, but, but I, I just feel like there's something about that story I shared with that teenage, that teenage boy and, and the, the, the longing inside of him for boundaries. And I just feel like there's something inside some of you, even as I shared that, that, that there's like this openness that, that God's inviting you to, to like open to his no, and to really like say, God, I want it. Like, I wanna give you my heart. I wanna give you this place. I want you to do a work in me. I want you to, to deliver me. And I just feel like there's something, there's, there's a shift that God wants to bring. And if that's a shift that you just want in your life and that you wanna respond, I'm just gonna, uh, I actually think I'm just gonna, you can just come forward and maybe you can kneel before the Lord. Cause it's, it's something about a posturing before God. And you know, they talk about in Deuteronomy where it says, you know, if you, if you don't obey these commands, it'll be like an iron dome over you. 
And it's like this picture, it's like you, you, it's closed over you and it's like you can't get through. And I just, and I just have this, this sense that's like, as there's this humbling to say, God, I want you to parent me. I, I wanna hear your no. It's like, there's gonna be an unstopping of our ears and this, this openness. And we're gonna start feeling this openness in our relationship with God, because we're no longer gonna have him in this place where it's like, you can only tell me yes. You can only tell me what you wanna hear. Like, I want your full counsel. And so if God's just doing that work, I'm just, the, the ministry team, I'm just gonna have you guys kind of float and you can pray with people as they come forward. But I just feel like you're supposed to just come forward and kneel. Everybody, you can close your eyes. This isn't about, it's just, if it's, if it's uncomfortable, other people watching, it's not, other people aren't watching you. Just, just come and respond to the spirit of grace. And we're just gonna allow a space for the Father to really meet you. And I'm just gonna ask, I just think there's deliverance tonight. There's something that the Lord's breaking off. There's, there's conviction. I just feel the Spirit's conviction and His power on this word tonight. And I don't want you to leave here without like responding to it if you're supposed to respond. So just, just start responding. Just come forward and respond. And uh, it may just be a few of you, it doesn't, but just come. There's zero shame in this, zero shame. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is about us stepping into freedom tonight. And the ministry team, you can just float. You can just start praying with people. Yeah, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this room tonight. God, I thank you that your word is living and powerful. Lord, and that it's, it's working and so that you're doing things inside of us tonight. God, I'd pray that we be good soil, that it won't just be uh, that we get words and then we go home and we lose them, but that we'd steward what you're doing and that we partner with your grace. Just Maybe just tell the Lord, like, I wanna partner with this word, God. I wanna see this word do a work inside of me. And we just open our hearts, all of us, everyone in the congregation, just say, we open our heart to the surgeon's scalpel. We open our heart to your no. We invite your word to come and cut away what needs to be cut away so that you can heal and restore God and you can give us our desire back. Lord, I just pray for the reclamation of desire in this house, God. And where desire has been fractured or divided, God, where mammon has had a grip on our desire, we just pray tonight as a church, Lord, for the reclamation of the desire of our hearts, God, for the eternity within us to be reclaimed so that it can be oriented upon you, O oh God, the eternal one. Deliver us, God, deliver us, from the, the consumption mindset of our day, Lord, and make us stewards, God. Just, just make us stewards of the creation and bring a shift within our hearts tonight, God. I just feel for some of you that there's like a repentance of where you have owned, of where you've, 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 You've tried to possess things, how you've, you've taken them for yourself. You've, 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 you've have anxiety even over the things that you own and maintaining and, and securities wrapped up. I just feel like there's repentance tonight to just repent to God. Like for some of you, the picture I have is like, you're, you're taking the keys of your car and the keys of your house and the keys of your life. And you're just putting them in the hands of Jesus and just saying, I repent. I repent for trying to act like they were mine. I repent for trying to own and just say, God, make me a steward. Just make us stewards, God.
feel like I'm supposed to sing this song if you want to sing it with me. discipling and leading us and bringing us into a kingdom reality now. And we just bless what you're doing. You know, if you feel in your heart that you want to respond to God, you don't even know why, just respond and come forward. We're going to kind of soft close. And if you want to get your kids and bring your kids back in right now, that would be uh, a great time to do it. Um, But yeah, we're just going to stay here and let's just keep this kind of a this is a holy moment. You know, I, I, I want to release you and give you freedom, but I don't want to rush what God's doing either. And so uh, we're not going to go anywhere. Uh, you can get your children. You can also go home if you want to go home. There's no obligation, but I just, you know, God's here. Eternity's here. So just respond to him and don't be in a rush. Just stay right with him. And follow him wherever he's leading. If he's leading you forward, if he's leading you home, if he's leading you to just stand up and and worship, if he's leading you to pray, if he's leading you to journal, if he's leading you to go on a drive, just just follow Jesus. Like that's, that's where it's at. So I bless you, church. We will see you on Friday for Word and Spirit.